Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, good evening. Okay, let's practice this. It's summertime. I say good evening. You say good evening back. Good evening. There we go. There we go. Um, you know, here's the deal. If you are in the far right section over here, I want you to come to the middle section over here. I want you to be able to feel my spit, okay? So go ahead and stand up, come over here. If you're sitting in the section over there, I want you to shift it in just right inside. Middle school's not here. We're going to uh, just kind of cram in as much as we possibly can. Couple things. How many of you were here around 5 o'clock today? Let me hear you shout. Shout, all right. If you did not already know, Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night throughout the summer, except for the week of Desperation Conference, we're going to meet here at 5 o'clock right outside the tent. We'll feed you dinner if you want to come hungry. Um, And we're going to play some games every now and then, maybe in a couple weeks. We're going to throw some water balloons out there, a dunk tank out there, all that wonderful jazz. If you want to hang out with us after service, we got a couple food trucks coming tonight. We got some Kona ice. We got some ice cream. It's going to be a good time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good time. Look at your other neighbor and say, you stank. (laughs) Nobody wanted to say it right there. Nobody wanted. It's true. I do stink. I do stink. All right. If you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is where I want you to turn. We are going to start a new series tonight that we're going to go through for the rest of the summer throughout the book of Luke, and it's called The Kingdom Way. Everyone say The Kingdom Way. Kingdom Way. Now, it's really important that I think we set the context for this right, understanding for this right. Okay, if you are in the New Testament, Luke is the third book into the New Testament. It's the last of the synoptic gospels right before the gospel of John, okay? Now, here's the thing. I I think it's important for us to understand when we read the gospels, we have four accounts of Jesus's life and his ministry. And when we read these gospels, we kind of see a little bit of a distinction and a little bit of a difference. When we we read these different accounts, you kind of see that each of these authors kind of focus on something differently. I have a little chart here that I want to put up. Can we put up that second slide? Okay, we got the four Gospels now all center around the person of Jesus. But here's the thing. Each author, when they were writing a Gospel, had a different agenda and a different audience in mind. For example, when you are going to write a children's book, you're going to probably put pictures in it because a child will enjoy pictures and you're going to think about your audience. If you're going to write a book on the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ, you understand that your audience is most likely going to be college age and graduate level readers. Okay, you're going to use a higher level level vocabulary. You have to understand who your audience is as you're writing a letter. Now, each of these authors have a different audience that they're centering around and a different agenda that they're trying to write as they're focusing on writing their their gospel. For example, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew's primarily got a Jewish audience in mind. So as he's writing this account of Jesus, he's writing to people who already have a preconceived understanding of the history of Israel. 
They would understand when you started talking about the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. When you start talking about the law, you start talking about the prophets, you start talking about exile, his audience would have that in mind as they're reading his account. Are you with me? His audience is Jewish. When you're talking about the book of Mark, you have the shortest account of the Gospels, and he is primarily a Roman audience. You talk about the book of John, you can understand that the primary form of, 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 of coming against the gospel in his time was Gnosticism, which, which kind of spoke a message that Jesus wasn't really fully God. He might have been half God, half man. And so you have John who has an agenda to make clear that Jesus was in fact fully God and fully man. This is why he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, you're with me tonight. All right. So we can understand, okay, they have some, some different agendas. When we're talking about the book of Luke, it's important to understand that he has primarily a Gentile and Greek audience in mind. In fact, it's most noted that Luke was Roman or Gentile himself. And so he thought it really important as an apostle of the, uh, uh, as a disciple of the apostle Paul to go, to give a very clear account of the life of Jesus that would be understood by someone who did not have a preconceived understanding of Israel. Are you with me? And it's important for us to know that. And the best way I can think about it is, or explain it is kind of like this. There is a, there is a, a Eastern kind of parable or story that's given in religions all around the world, primarily, primarily used with Hinduism, Buddhism, all this wonderful jazz where it kind of talks about they have all of these blind men who live in a village. And they bring an elephant into this village. And so the, the, the blind men are like, oh, we want to we know what it's like to have this type of animal in our village. So we're going to go touch and feel to get an understanding of, of what this animal is. And so you've got like six blind men who come and start touching this animal. And you have one blind man who's, who's holding the trunk of the elephant. And he goes, oh, this animal's like a snake, a fat snake. He's like, that's what it feels like. And you have the other blind man who's touching the ears of the elephant, and he goes, no, 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 no. The, this, this animal more like has the attributes of a fan. And you got another blind man who's touching the side of the elephant, and he's going, no, you idiots. It's more like a wall. And you got another guy who's on the back of the elephant grabbing the tail. I don't know how he got that unfortunate spot. And he goes, no, it's more like a, it's more like a rope. And you got another blind man who's over, and he's touching the tusks, and he's going, no, 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 it's... It's more like a spear, all of which are correct, and yet all of which aren't telling the whole story. And I think this is what's important for us to realize as we approach the Gospels, and as we approach the Gospel of Luke, we're going to talk about the kingdom way. And what we mean when we say this is we're saying, Jesus came and he ushered in a kingdom that was unlike what anybody expected a kingdom to look like. Predominantly when we start thinking of, of a ruler or a power or an authority or a people coming in and establishing their kingdom, we think of one who is coming in to break the wills of others and to force others into this reality. And yet, we're going to see this man, Jesus, do something completely counterintuitive to human nature over the next seven weeks. And we can see that this is Luke's agenda. This is why Luke speaks in so many parables. He becomes this, this, this master storyteller as he's telling the stories that Jesus told to his followers to kind of show that there's actually a different way to look at the world. 
And it's the kingdom way, the kingdom of God way that's different than what we would anticipate or what we would expect. And so when we come here to Luke 4, what I want to talk to you tonight, about tonight, is simply this statement. Jesus is the Messiah. Let me hear you say it. Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Messiah is very Hebrew language. It's very Jewish language, actually, but that's not the language Luke uses here. But I think it's important for us to realize what Luke is saying as, as he's taking this account. We're going to get to what this means here in a second. But Luke 4, we're going to start in verse 16. We're only going to do five verses tonight. This is what he says. And he, he being Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He stopped and he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Pay attention here. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. In spirit, we welcome you. Lord, I pray for every man and every woman in this room. I pray they would encounter you tonight. I pray we would all see and behold that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah, show us what that means tonight. And more importantly, help us experience the weight of what that means tonight. Spirit of God, I pray that you would pour yourself out in this room. I pray you would fill every heart. I pray you would unveil eyes to see you. I pray you would open up ears to hear you. I pray that you would uncloud minds to understand you. And you would take hearts of stone and you would turn them into hearts of flesh so that we might believe you tonight. Father, I pray we would see miracles tonight. I pray we would watch you do the miraculous, the unthinkable. Because you love us. And you delight in showing yourself to us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you would teach us. I pray that you would protect the listener from wherever the preacher might be in error. And Lord, you would make us imitators of Jesus Christ as we walk out of here. So give us a hope today, Lord, in your precious and holy name. And if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. What we have Jesus doing here is he's opening up the prophet Isaiah. And he's reading from Isaiah 61 right here. He's saying, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
to proclaim liberty for the captives, to give recovered sight to the blind, to give liberty to the oppressed, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll, he sets it with the attendant, he sits down in the position of the teacher and he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now only with some preconceived understanding will we understand what Jesus means in this moment. You look back to the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 11 we see that the Messiah, the Messiah is one whom the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon. So what we can understand then when we read this text right here from Isaiah 61 that Jesus is speaking in the synagogue is he is assuming the place of the Jewish Messiah. And so the question that we need to ask before we, we get into what is the Messiah supposed to do or who is the Messiah is what is the Messiah? What would have been going on in the ears of the listeners sitting in the Jewish synagogue as he said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you understand that there is a story to humanity. If you've not grown up in church, if it's your first time, let me catch you up real quick. In this book, it begins with a, with a, with a book called Genesis. And it, it gives us the story of creation. The first two chapters kind of reveal that we didn't just simply happen, but that in fact, we have a God, a loving God who created us. And he didn't just created, create us, he created all of creation and he gave it a label. He gave it an identity. Every time he would make something, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the land, the water, the sun, the moon, the stars, he would say, it is good. That was the identity, that was the label that he gave his creation. And on the sixth day, he accumulates this to his masterpiece and he makes man and he makes wo woman, a species, a people in his own image and he says they are very good and we see that life is good in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 but if you continue to follow the biblical narrative you know that Genesis 3 comes and we have the enemy that comes in the form of a serpent and he begins to plant the seed of suspicion that God is not good and he begins to invite the man and the woman into a life separated from their creator. If you know the story, God gives them one command in, in this paradise that he's made for them, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent comes and the, the enemy comes in the form of the serpent and he says, no, 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 I'm telling you, if you do partake of this fruit, you will be like God. And, and buying into that suspicion that God did not have their best interests in mind Humanity embraced separation from God. And so God comes and he, he finds that his creation, those whom he created, those whom he loved, had broken relationship with them. And in Genesis 3, we begin to see the product of this separation. We begin to see humanity enter into what we would call brokenness, sin, pain, death. And in any story, when you have a protagonist who is truly good, you'd understand that our God had every right in this moment to turn 
his back. But that's not the biblical narrative. It's not the story of this book. Genesis 3.15, we're given the first symbol of promise. God looks at his creation and he says, I will send another. I will send another and this other will make things right. What you have done to sever relationship with me, this other will work to restore relationship with me. And where you failed, he will succeed. And on and on and on and on, we get this picture that God's going to send someone who has the power to break sin and death. And then we see something really, really difficult for the great majority of the rest of the Old Testament. Humanity has to wait. They have to wait. Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph to Israel. 400 years of slavery, uh, Joseph to Egypt, 400 years of slavery in Egypt for the people of God, crying out day after day after day, God, please remember us. And God delivers them then to the wilderness. And then after the wilderness, you have the time of them entering into the promised land with Joshua. Then we go through the time of the judges. Then we're going to go through the time of the kings where we got Saul and we got David, we got Solomon and all the kings that are going to follow thereafter. And then we're going to have the Babylonian captivity. Then we're going to have Israel going into exile. Then a return to Jerusalem. And then 400 years of silence. Have you ever had to wait for something? We are terrible at it. We are terrible at it. You look at the world we live in today. We... We shop for things online because we can't wait to get them. You ever been in a season where God's making you wait? Where you're asking the question, how long, oh Lord? That was like 2020 all year, <laughs> right? We're sitting at home, safer at home, stay at home, level red, level green, level orange, level rainbow, I don't know, but it's getting old. And we're all sitting there going, how long? How long till we have to wear masks everywhere? How long till we can get back to school and start seeing people normally again? How long till we can start meeting at church again? How long, oh Lord, we are terrible people at waiting. 400 years in slavery is what Israel had to live with. 400 years of silence. I don't know what's up with God in the 400 years, but it's brutal. We have to wait, 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 wait. And if you're the people of Israel, life is not good. You have the Assyrians coming in and enslaving you. You got the Babylonians coming in and enslaving you. You got the Persians coming in and enslaving you. And up until this point right here, you have the Roman Empire making your nation, your people look pathetic. And you got Israel going, how long, oh Lord? And the question we're asking is, how long till what? How long till everything's made right? How long till, you know, just Rome is gone? 
And in the Israel Jewish mind, their perception was, no, no, no. We're just saying, how long till you send the Messiah? And in their mind, the Messiah was going to do something very specific. You see, if the Messiah shows up, God, if, if you would just send the Messiah while we're sitting here getting beaten, broken, bruised, oppressed, and enslaved by Rome, if you would just send the Messiah, <laughs> we would show the world. You see, our Messiah, he's going to come, and he's going to come as a king, a tyrannical king. And he's going to put all the nations under his feet. And we're going to show them just how bad life could be for them when our Messiah comes. And they're eager. They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. Until a starry night in Bethlehem. A child's born. But it's, he's not born in a palace. He's born in a manger. And so they're, wait a minute. Some of the Jews, Jews like Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, they get word the Messiah is coming. And he's going to come through you. And so you begin to see this anticipation in the Jews. And this is why Luke begins to start his gospel with telling the story, the Christmas story of, of the angel of the Lord coming to Mary and saying, it is happening. The time has come. The, the, the one on, on high, Yahweh, is sending the one who's going to save and redeem your people. And you can see the anticipation coming out. In 30 years, Jesus lives his life without telling the world who he is. And then, in Luke 4, in Nazareth, gets up in the synagogue, opens the scroll of Isaiah and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Takes the scroll, rolls it up. Can you see the moment now? He sets it down. He sits down and says, Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. The one you have been waiting for the one you have been longing for, the one you have been crying out for, for 4,000 years, I'm here. Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah. And when you can begin to feel the weight of that, wait a minute, okay, this is the one whom God promised all the way back in Genesis 3 would make things right, not just between Israel and God, but between humanity and God. And so the question at hand is, what does this Messiah do? Why is this such a big deal to us? So there are three things that this text from Isaiah 61 informs us that the Messiah does. Number one is this, is that the Messiah will bring good news. He will bring good news. Now this news ultimately works for he is going to bring us a reality that he is going to restore us back to God himself. Life back in the garden. A sinless world. 
But here's the problem when we talk about good news in the church today. And Jesus warned us of this. That many will come with this idea or this understanding of good news that won't actually be good news. And this good news can come in the name of religion. This good news can, can come in the name of, quote, Christianity. But it's not really good news. And we got a bunch of different gospels out there that say they're good news. And I think it's important for us to kind of identify there's a little bit of a spectrum, kind of two extremes that I think we find in this plane where people say this is good news, but it's not actually good news. Now, in order to illustrate this point, I'm going to need some help. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. Somebody who's, who's bold and feels strong is what I'm going to say. Bold and feels strong. Chase, do you feel bold and strong? Chase, come on up here. Let's go Caleb. Caleb, come on up here. Chase, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick somebody whom you trust who knows how to count really well. Same with you, Caleb. Pick somebody who knows how to count really well that you trust. Drew, your boy Drew. That's very good. That's very good. You guys are going to so regret volunteering here in just a second. It's going to be fantastic. All right. Here's the deal. I want to illustrate this point for you. What is good news? What is good news? Now, here's how I think some will approach saying they carry good news. We're going to do a little bit of a push-up challenge. A little bit of a push-up challenge. I'm so happy Chase volunteered. So happy Chase volunteered. Okay, now here's, here's the deal. Chase, Caleb, I want you to get down and push up position. All right, now here's the task that I'm setting before you. Here's the task that I'm, come up here. Come up here so people can see you. Come up here so people can see you. Show them some love. Show them some love. This isn't easy. Now here, here's the task I'm going to set before you, okay? You have to do 500 push-ups. Saddle. So 500 push-ups without stopping. If you can't make it to 500, you go as far as you possibly can. If you can't make it to 500, don't worry. I have good news. I have good news, okay? All right. Push-up position. Now, now I don't want weak push-ups. I don't want, like, pulses, all right? I, I, like, like, at least touch your sternum to the ground. Sternum to the ground. Okay, now here's the deal. Drew, you're in charge of counting. You're in charge of counting, all right? Your counting stops when you put your knees down. When you put your knees down or you're at rest for more than 30 seconds. Does that make sense? So if you're holding push-up position for more than 30 seconds, it's over. 500 push-ups, can't stop. If you can't make it that far, just go as far as you can. Don't worry, I got good news. Ready, go. That's a good job. That's a good Show them love. Show them love. Show them love. There's so much, Chase, that's so much better than what it was just a couple weeks ago. So much better. Come on, Caleb. Come on, Caleb. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Audience, show them love. This isn't easy. This isn't easy. This isn't easy. Come on, don't worry. If you can't make it, as far as you can, as far as you can. These boys said, I beat my body. I'm making my slave. Thus, when I preach the gospel to others, I myself might not be disqualified from the prize. Come on, Chase. Everything you got. Yeah, he's down. Come on, Caleb. Keep going as far as you can. As far as you can. Ah, everything you got. Come on. Ah. He says, shee. Here we go. All right. How many we get? 
21. Give us some, some love for 21. 30 good ones. Let's get some 30. All right, now here's the deal. In the biblical mindset, Chase, you would be considered a Gentile, okay? 21, you weren't even close to fulfilling the law that I gave you, okay? Which was 500, all right? Caleb, you'd be considered a Jew. You just did just a little bit better. I'm going to call you a Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? My Apostle Paul. All right, now are you ready for the good news? Here's the good news. I'm going to give you guys a second chance. I'm going to give you guys a second chance now. Here's the thing. You have to start back at zero. You have to start back at zero. You don't get to build. So push-up position one more time. One more time. One more time. Yes. Come on. Give them some love. Give them some love. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Everything you got, Chase, 180 pounds of pure love right here, okay? 190 pounds of pure love. My bad. My bad. You know what? I should have my wife get up here. She could show both of these boys up. I'm telling you right now. Anyway, where, where is Mariah, Mariah Shepherd? Is she in the room? Is she in the room? Is she outside? Oh, uh, I won't do that to them. That would be mean. All right, fellas. Push. Oh, hey, bae. They want to know how to do push-ups. You want to help them out? Yeah. Okay. Right, here we go. Here we go. Mariah, up here, up here, up here. As far as you can, okay, as far as you can, all right? Here we go. Second chance in three, two, one, go. Yeah. Fellas, marry a girl who can do push-ups, I'm telling you. Come on, babe, come on. Everything you got, fellas. My goodness. My goodness, everything you got. Everything you got, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Everything you got. Every, those aren't even woman push-ups. She's doing man push-ups. Let's go. Everything you got, bae. Come on, Caleb, don't quit. Don't quit. You're a Pharisee of Pharisees here, bruh. You follow the letter of the law. Let's go. 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 Man, she's still going. Woo, look at her triceps. Uh, come on. Come on now. Any more you got, babe? Any more you got? Any more you got? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. How many? 58. 58! I take it back. I take it back. Mariah's the Pharisee of Pharisees. I don't know what you two are. We got Gentiles and Greeks over here. How many do we get? We got 10 on the last one. What do we get on the last one? 16 on the last one. All right. Can you give these guys a hand? That's not easy. Go take a seat. Go take a seat. Go take a seat. Now, I have a question for you. I got a question for you. Was giving them a, a second chance good news? Why? 
Because they were still incapable of doing it in the first place. Oh. You hear me? How often do we treat Christianity like this? Whereas, wait a minute. You are in charge of establishing your salvation before God. In Christianity or in churchy terms, we might say that this is a legalist perspective to the gospel. Good news. Hey, don't worry. You screwed it up. Our gospel is a second chance gospel. God will let you repent, but you got to try again and you got to get it right. There's only one problem. We are incapable of getting it right. Are you with me? Now, this sounds like bad news as of right now. It sounds like bad news as of right now. But the gospel is not, brothers and sisters, that we earn our way into relationship with God. The purpose of that task was not to show you, <laughs> well, it was to show you that Chase or Caleb had, or even my wife, though she is a beast, <laughs> had no ability to make it to 500. And hear me, you or I do not have the ability to live the perfect, sinless holy life. That's why we need a Messiah. The Messiah is good news. Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul, he says it like this. Let's scroll down. For it is by grace you have been what? You've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the what? It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You have been saved by charis, grace, a gift. In other words, God did not expect you to put your life together. If you have sin in your life right now, if you have brokenness in your life right now, which you do, we all do, the gospel is not God going, figure it out. And if you don't, I give you a second chance. It's, I understand you are incapable of saving yourself, so I'm going to send one to do it for you. Are you with me? One end of the gospel. We, we paint the gospel as if it's a second chance gospel. You got to do it yourself. It's not good news. But the other end of this paradigm is we paint the gospel like it's a kuna matata. We laugh. I'm being serious here. Where we think, you know what? If you follow Jesus, all will go well. In fact, if you follow Jesus, you are entitled to everything that life has to offer. You are entitled to health. You are entitled to wealth. You are entitled to anything that you feel God owes you. Hear me. That gospel is straight from the pit of hell. Because it was Jesus who also said in John 16, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? You will have what? Tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome 
the world. What Jesus is saying here is he's not saying that in following me and submitting your life to me, the good news is that everything goes well in your life, that all of your relationships work out, that your bank account is always full, that everything goes really, really well, that you might have, have everything that you want in life on the back end. It's, it's not that, that's not the good news. The good news is that despite what takes place in your life, whether things go well, whether things go poorly, whether your parents stay married or whether they get divorced, whether you embrace a heaps amount of suffering, whether you go through a year of a global pandemic and everything shuts down, whether you are stuck at home or get to do what you want, whether you go to college where you want or you don't get to go to college at all, Jesus is enough despite what happens. Are you with me? That's good news. And here's, here's, here's why that's important. Because if we go out and we look at this life and the world looks at us and we think that everything is just simply sunshine and rainbows, or we're expecting ourselves and the world to live up to a standard that nobody can, nobody's embracing good news. But Jesus is the Messiah. And what he has come to give us is not a bunch of gifts. He's come to give us himself. And that's good news. It's good news, but that's not the only thing that the prophet Isaiah says here as Jesus is taking on this identity that, yeah, the Messiah will bring good news, but secondarily, he says this, that the Messiah will bring liberty to the captive and oppressed. Now here's the thing, if you're a Jew, sitting down in the synagogue listening to Jesus right now, here's what you're hearing. It's about time. <laughs> Rome's about to get it. Like they're sitting there thinking the king has come, boy, get off that throne in the synagogue. Go ahead and march yourself up to Caesar's palace and show him who you are. That's what they're thinking. It's time for the Jewish people to take precedent again. That's not what Jesus is talking about. You know what he says? <laughs> the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.12, he says this, For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, he has not come to give liberty to the captive and oppressed of Rome. He has come to bring liberty to those who are captive and oppressed by sin and death. By sin and death. He's saying these words with you and me in mind. I have come so that those who are wrestling with depression in their homes in 2021 would know this is not the bottom line. I have come so that families living in Colorado Springs in 2021 would know that all of the evil, brokenness, and pain that they see both in their lives and in the world around them is not the bottom line. <laughs> he has come to bring liberty. In other words, he has come to set free the captive and the oppressed. If you're in here wrestling with a sexual addiction, a substance addiction, an identity crisis, relationship issues, family issues, 
He came to set you free. Are you with me? That's good news. That's good news because it means that the pain that you feel, if you are feeling pain right now, isn't the bottom line. Jesus is. Sickness, death, suffering, brokenness is not where the story is headed. The story is headed to our God sitting on his throne, making all things new. Are you with me? Jesus comes and the Messiah brings good news. <laughs> the Messiah brings liberty to the captive and to the oppressed. But he comes to do one more thing. And that's that the Messiah comes to do the impossible. I love this. He says here in Luke 4, to recover the sight of the blind. To recover the sight of the blind. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, you're going to see over the next six weeks that Jesus does far more than this. He does the impossible. He does the impossible. He comes to give a new idea of hope. Now hope is an important thing. Hope is what keeps us going when the night is dark. Hope is what keeps us looking forward when all we want to do is look at our brokenness. Hope is the substance that we, that we fix our eyes on, that we try to put our hands to when everything else is going south. Now here's the problem with hope, is the world offers a lot of counterfeit options for hope. The world might sit here and offer you a relationship in your life to say, you know what? You want some value? You want some meaning? You want some worth? Here's somebody to make you feel good. It's a false sense of hope. The world might offer religion, a way to maybe say, hey, here's a way to look at life and try to do things right versus doing things wrong. And when you fall short, you're gonna realize it's a false sense of hope. You look at the world around us right now, politics, sex, substance, a political figure, the idea of a perfect country that doesn't have any problems. It's what the Bible would define as false senses of hope. But brothers and sisters, the Messiah has come to do the impossible. He has come not only to make the blind see, but he's come to make the lame walk. He's come to make the deaf hear. He's come to put the orphan in a home. He's come to bring the addict freedom. He's come to see the lost and make them found. He's come to take the hurting and make them healed. Nice. He's come to give hope to the hopeless. He's come to bring encouragement to the discouraged. 
He's come to bring life to the depressed. He's come to bring wholeness to the broken. He's come to bring the dead to life. Can you stand with me tonight? First Corinthians 15, 55, 57. The apostle Paul says, death <laughs> is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. <laughs> Can I get a shout of praise here? But thanks be to God. who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you good news tonight? Jesus is the Messiah. Let me give you a picture of what that means. Children broken, desperate, incapable doing anything for themselves. Having a father stepping in to take care of them. Can you bow your head with me? I know that, I know that there are stories and lives in this room who have a terrible picture of what a father is. gospel is that God wants to redeem that picture for you. He wants to show you that he is a God who's not left you to deal with life on your own, but he's coming to intervene. He's stepping in. As we're going to walk over the next six weeks, we're, we're going to see that Jesus is a God who <laughs> gives sight to the blind. He opens deaf ears. He sets the lonely into families. He, he brings the dead to life. He breaks barriers, political barriers, racial barriers to show that the kingdom of God is a place of unity. It's a place of wholeness. It's a place of life. And I wanna invite you to receive him as that for yourself tonight. Receive him as that for yourself tonight. He's brought you good news. He's not asking you to put your life together. He's saying, let me do that for you. He's not saying, work yourself into freedom. He's saying, no, 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 I've came, I've come to give liberty <laughs> to the oppressed and to the captive. And hear me, he's come to do the impossible in your life. He's come to do the impossible in your life. And so he's head, as we head into this song of response, we're gonna sing about how Jesus has made a way, I want you to realize that Jesus hasn't just made a way, that he is the way. Yes. And that if you want to receive this good news, it requires one thing, you receiving Jesus for who he is in your life. It means making him Lord. It means him being the one who defines what is right, what is wrong, what is holy, what is not. Thank you.
It means living your life in obedience to him. So Jesus, as we come before you tonight, I want to welcome you. Jesus, we see you as the Messiah tonight. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you have your way? Would you show us good news? I pray for those who are wrestling with addiction tonight. I pray for those who are wrestling with depression tonight. I pray for those who are wrestling with any form of pain tonight. I pray they would experience you as the one who sets them free. Would you do the impossible? Father, I pray you give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, minds to understand you, hearts to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. Brothers and sisters, let's respond and worship. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.